Have you heard of the McNabb dog or the Colorado Mountain dog? Probably not. They're pretty rare. But Harmony Davies works with both on a daily basis. In fact, in just five short years, Harmony has been assisted by more working farm dogs and a greater variety of farm dogs than most of us will experience in a lifetime. Welcome to Farm Dog. This is Farm Dog, the podcast about the working dogs of farming, ranching, homesteading, and rural living. Farm Dog is presented by Goats on the Go, a national network of independent business owners who provide sustainable weed and brush control for their customers using goats. Want to put goats to work on your vegetation problem? Interested in launching your own goat grazing business? The place to start is goatsonthego.com. Welcome, Harmony Davies, to the Farm Dog Podcast. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Hey, Aaron. It's great to be talking to you, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, our audience doesn't know this, but we actually have worked together in the past and have known each other for a little little while. But uh, I, every time I chat with you, it's just uh, it brightens my day. So I'm excited to have you here. Yay, um, good. To start off, Harmony, would you just why don't you just tell me a little bit about your background and history and how that led up to um, you being involved with farm dogs, herding dogs in particular? Okay, so we're not going to go very far back because I've I've always been around animals and I grew up on kind of a pseudo ranch, but it wasn't a real ranch. But there were animals there. Anyway, fast forward to 2016. <laughs> um, I got a job as a goat tender. I, I don't want to say herder, but I guess I was technically the goat herder at uh, Cherokee Ranch in Castle down in Sedalia. Um, and they had 22 goats. They wanted me to move around the property to eat weeds, the 3,500-acre property. <laughs> um, and so I did that for a while. I did not have a dog. I had a bucket of peanuts (laughs) and that worked okay. Um, I did at that time have two livestock guardian dogs. Those two dogs were great Pyrenees and the castle procured them as rescues. Um, And they were some of my first experience with, with the livestock guardian dog. Um, One of them was really friendly and one of them was really skittish and it was a mother and daughter pair and it was really hard to move the goats because if the one skittish one got out she just would just run you could never catch her so um anyway that was my first experience and then onward i met another goat herder who was a a professional in commercial grazing and she had 1400 goats one livestock guardian dog and about eight border collies Um, so then i got to learn the border collie and the value of the border collie and working with lots of different ones and then in 2017 late 2017 well maybe early i got my own uh border collie herding dog he's a mix and um last year i got to get my own colorado mountain dogs um so that's like the long and short and we can go back and talk about all of those segments but i've so i've had since 2016 a lot of dog 
experience and exposure. Yeah, so it's been a bit of a crash course then. Did you didn't have uh, did you have pets growing up? Yeah, we had like dogs. We didn't have where I grew up in southern Utah, we had goats for for milking, we had chickens, lots of dogs that were pets and of course cats. Um and so I grew up around a lot of animals that way. We did have a horse too out there. Um and kind of, I guess, always just felt like we understood each other. Um, so I've always kind of enjoyed jobs where I had to work with animals. I worked for Colorado Humane Society back in 2000. It wasn't very long, like probably six or seven months, because that's a really hard job that doesn't pay very much. Um, so yeah, I've always kind of been around dogs, but not livestock guardian dogs per se, and definitely not border collies. And I've not had them in the capacity where they were really the tools of your job. Okay, okay, that really helps. Um, actually, one of the reasons I'm excited to talk with you is because um, you and I are in a similar situation where we kind of came to be working with livestock later in life. We didn't grow up on farms, and yet we've kind of stumbled into positions where we both see the value of working farm dogs. And um, so I think that just gives you a unique perspective, uh, a very recent and fresh perspective on working dogs. Um, and so before we go on then, you know, one of the things I've been trying to ask our guests is uh, with your, of all your experience with these working dogs, do you have a favorite dog a favorite farm dog or a favorite farm dog memory doesn't have to be your dog doesn't just anyone you've come in contact with um well i was gonna say yeah my dog um yeah. <laughs> my border collie well as we like he's not a border collie he is what i believe to be a mcnab shepherd um and so that's a mix between a border collie and an australian cattle dog so you know a designer breed um, but he's been like the best dog I've ever had in my life. And I will say, though, as far as like the best memories, that there was this one dog I worked with and uh, he had a lot of McNabb traits. He looked more like a McNabb than a Border Collie where he had the straight up ears and just he was mostly black with a little bit of white and he was just a little leaner, shorter fur. Um, his name was Flint. And he was owned by my previous boss at Goat Green, and he was a rescue, so he was a little nutty. <laughs> um, and Flint always went wide. So if you told Flint to go get the goats and whatever command, whether it was away or go by or just go bring them, he would go so wide like if this is the goat you know normally dogs would go here flint would be out here like on the other side of the highway he would go wide but one time we were working a mountain property and i got up in the morning and i looked out the window and there were some goats in in the fence but it just didn't look like 250 um and so I looked down at Flint and I said, where are the goats? And Flint just, he, he took off. Um, <laughs> and 
I was wandering around this mountain property. It's five acre plots, you know, of houses. And so I've wandered on to the next property and I'm calling Flint because now he's not come back. He's just gone. And I look up this hill because this is mountainous terrain and because I heard something. And I look up there and I don't see anything and I call Flint and then an, and I'm looking at the top of this hill and I just see his head appear and he looks at me and gives me this really pointed look and then he dis disappears again. And so I know Flint has found the ghost. <laughs> yeah. And I go and sure enough at the top of the hill there was the rest like the hundred goats that had wandered off. And Flint just sitting there holding them right there. Like he had rounded them up into a tight circle and was just like waiting for me to get there so we could bring them back to the herd. And I, it was the coolest experience ever. And I've never just had a dog be like, oh yeah, they're over here. Come on, come on lady, you know? And Yeah, right, right. Now, was it commonplace for Flint to impress you? Or was this maybe just um, a particularly good day for Flint? This was a good day for Flint. Because okay. while Flint was really good at going wide, that's about all he was good at doing. <laughs> okay. Um, he was losing his hearing. And so there were some visual commands I could do with my hands. But once he decided what you said, whether it was what you said or not, he would just do something you would just work the herd in that manner. And it wasn't always what you wanted him to do. So uh, we, I, he was a difficult dog to work with, but that time he was the best dog I could have had with me. Wow. That's a great story. You know, that, that leads me to a question of you worked for this large goat grazing company called goat green. And we should mention here uh, by goat grazing company, it's the same as, uh, similar to Goats on the Go, who you are now a Goats on the Go affiliate in yes. the uh, area south of Denver, Colorado. And so you're using goats for vegetation control and in your neck of the woods primarily for um, fire, wildfire prevention, removing yep. extra fuel, uh, extra vegetative fuel. So you are in a position where you're not only working with literally hundreds of goats, but also a variety of dogs. And and they were all border collies, correct? Except maybe some McNabb? Yeah, Flint definitely was some kind of not just straight border collie. He was okay. a little different. Now, But everyone else were, were border collies. Okay, okay. Do you Did you find that you could just step in and work within any of these dogs, even though you weren't the one who trained the dog day to day, um, you know, were they biddable for you? Did you? Did they all have different commands? How did you handle that? Um, it was it varied by dog, and they all because they were from the same place. She had kind of trained them all the same commands. Um, so, like in dog border collie herding world, oftentimes you'll hear the command "come by." In our world, and that just means circle the herd clockwise come uh -huh. by circle the herd clockwise well ours was go by so if we told the dog to go by they would know circle the herd clockwise and away is counterclockwise <laughs> so okay. they both they all knew those basic commands um they knew look back which is if you're going forward and you need your dog to look back because there's a few goats that haven't caught up 
you tell your dog look back and they would do that um but yeah they all pretty much do the same commands and they all mostly lived with our boss and then during the summer she would kind of dole them out to herders who didn't have their own dog so i was one of those <laughs> that did not have i had a bucket of peanuts <laughs> 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 so when you first were assigned a dog and you got to put down your bucket of peanuts, did you, did you see immediately see the value? Like, did you immediately say, okay, now I'm well equipped? Yes. So in that job, I learned the term person of authority and the dog is the person of authority when it comes to goats or livestock, really. Um, and it was so great to have finally have a person of authority because the bucket of peanuts was not authoritative enough, you know? <laughs> um, right, right. <laughs> now, okay. I will say uh, that to answer your previous question, and then we'll kind of lead into this, not all the dogs worked for me. Um, one of her main herding dogs, Banjo, hated work, like, we finally came to an agreement, but the first few times she would just stop and go back to the barn. Now we weren't out on jobs in the very, very beginning. And this was good because I, I mean, but the, this dog was just like, no, I don't think that you know what you're doing and I'm not working for you. And so she just wandered off and I had to like, stand there looking at you know 200 well it was like 500 goats wandering away <laughs> like what do i do um luckily flint came by and <laughs> after going wide yes, to get there right he he showed up and so we were able to go back to the barn but yeah it was those dogs they had to warm up. Some of them had to warm up to you. Some of them did not care who you were. If you were giving them a command to go work, they were happy. Ah. It was better than a treat. You know, you could have bacon in this hand or a command and they would prefer the command. Right. So they didn't just, care who the command was coming from, just that the command was saying, go do your job. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, none of these dogs like to play with balls or Frisbees or anything like that. They were all just into doing their job. And then if they weren't doing their job, they were into just kind of laying around. <laughs> right. Right. Can you, can you describe for our audience how, how herding dogs are helpful? Um, you know, on the farm is fine, but specifically in the context of your goat grazing operation and in that larger goat grazing operation that you worked with before, you know, just day to day, how do you use herding dogs um, to get the work done? Well, one of the big things is loading into the trailer. So getting from home base to the job, um, you know, having a dog encourage your goats onto the trailer and then you know once you've got half the herd on the trailer there's those ones that turn around and they want to get out <laughs> the dog keeps the goats pointed in the right direction you know so they are literally all going in the trailer and it doesn't stop and then they're all in the trailer and you can shut the door and you're not fighting with having so you save time um on the job is this still okay sorry yep. I'm, okay nope, sounds good um on the job 
once you get to a job site, obviously you don't want to let the goats out of the trailer until you have your set, your fencing set up. But when we were working big commercial jobs, we were doing huge amounts of acreage. And oftentimes the target area would be in a, in a place that was pretty unreachable by vehicle. So we would have to um, open the semi-trailer doors, you know, at the edge of the property and let all the goats jump out and then use the dogs to get them to their location. And, you know, in their, their electric fence or whatever. But we also had jobs where, or even now I've got a job coming up where the client has the need for the goats to walk through an area but we don't want to fence them into an area because the elevation and the rockiness, it's not going to work. And we also don't want them to stress certain trees that are in that area, but there's a lot of weeds. So what we're going to do is use the dogs to bring the goats in and just kind of slowly graze them through that area. Just a one pass kind of graze. Um, and that gives us that control. Whereas if we were just using fencing, we wouldn't have been able to work that part of the property. It would just have been too time consuming. But with the dogs, we can shorten the amount of time when we're putting goats in an area. Um, so that's really, they're, okay. they're really great that way. And they save a lot of time that way. And also if you've got something happens and you need to, maybe the goats all get out and you get to the the job site to just check on the goats and all of a sudden they're all over the neighborhood you cannot run as fast as those goats <laughs> but your dog can <laughs> right 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 so um you've seen videos of them out you know in <laughs> california neighborhoods well i've seen it in person too many times yeah. Actually. Yeah. yeah so the dogs are great for that um luckily we haven't had many escapes like that happen yet sure. knock on wood but <laughs> Well, I'm pulling for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Harmony, I'm going to have you take that mic and just push it down a little bit further. There you go. Like that. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Perfect. Um, yeah. So, you know, we've over the years, we've gotten so used to working without a dog in our goat grazing operation. We just, um, you know, we put the goats in a certain enclosure and we always are using portable electric fencing to, um, to create, they're always inside fences. Even mm -hmm. if we're moving them from this paddock over to that paddock and there's a long gap in between, we're typically setting up a long alley with fences on either side and it takes extra work and and that sort of thing. And we've just gotten so used to it that I've had moments where I've convinced myself I don't need a dog. Yeah. But I, I think there's part, something inside me that says maybe I don't know what I'm missing. So convince me that I need a, a herding dog. Well, I mean, okay. I will admit <laughs> when Russ and I first went to goats on the go training and saw that nobody had dogs, we were like shocked. We were like, how are they wasting all their time building, building alleyways, you know, and all this, um, that right there, Aaron, building alleyways, that right there. When I finally get a train, have a trained herding dog, um, am I going to say to myself, how did I ever do this without a dog? Yeah. Yeah. I think you are because it, I mean, now 
also like my goats have gotten pretty trained to certain things like I can I can lead them around with a bucket of grain if I want to I still can't get them to all get in the trailer at once with a bucket of grain you can get them all loaded up in the trailer so fast with a dog you'll just it'll blow your mind and for our business that is of of special importance because most people don't trailer their goats over and over and over again you know these aren't for most people the goats don't go every someplace new every few days you know and so yeah that's true our goats do get on and off trailers a lot and uh yeah, I've just become so used to over the years using other methods. Of... You've got the plastic bag on the end of the stick. You know, we've <laughs> all got the different things. Right, right. Poke and prod the goats, and yeah. and they're they're trainable, so we can train them to all get in the trailer, maybe. But the dog just adds that little bit of extra encouragement. Um, it's really nice, and also if you're trying to get one goat out of a herd of goats dogs can help with that as well okay explain that to me a little bit because does does the dog just kind of look at your body movements and the direction of your eyes are pointing and quickly zero in on the goat that you're after i mean is there this kind of this uh esp between you and the dog or Mm -hmm. how's that work so they first of all Whenever you're going after a goat, they the goat knows, right? Yeah. So amazingly, they always yes, know. They always yeah. know. And even if they're standing with twenty of their friends, that one knows you're looking at them. Well, the dog knows that the goat knows. So everyone starts to get to know who you're looking for. Um, ah. but the dog does take cues off of your body language. I do think based on my experience that there the goat does some signaling on its own as well because it it knows it's being singled out. It gets so nerved it kind up, of, maybe. Gets, yeah. And so the dog, dog senses that. that as well. Um, and if you're good at roping, you know, lassoing, then great. The dog will just separate the goat just enough from the rest of the goats that you could get a lasso around that goat versus 10 of them when they're all tight together. Or I've had my dog push the goat at me. So he'll get behind the goat and push the goat at me, and I've been able to just grab the goat. Um, I have worked with some of the other dogs who were overly aggressive and would hurt the goat if they felt you were singling out a goat. So you have to know your dog if you're going to go have them be one-on-one with one livestock animal like that Um, because I have seen goats get really hurt by border collies just being too aggressive because they think they need to get really aggressive with just that one animal Um, so you really that's a huge thing when you first start working with any dog is you want to know what kind of kind of bite it has does it have a soft bite a hard bite is it gonna break your goat's leg and train that out of your dog. My uh, dog, when I first got him, he bit and he hurt a goat. He tore some skin pretty good and we had to catch it and doctor it. He didn't break the leg, but after that, like every time he went to bite the goat, he was corrected. 
And because Border Collies are really sensitive to how you feel about them, they don't like getting corrections. You'll find there's one, my dog, if I make a just a ah sound, he knows that that's not what I want him to do. And he'll stop immediately. Because um, they want to please you. Like, that's the mm -hmm. magic of these dogs. They, they want to please you so, and they're so smart. So you can't fool them. But you can definitely show them how to best please you. And as long as you, you know, um, give them the correction and then state the appropriate command. If they do the appropriate command, good. If they don't, give them the correction, restate the command. You know, it, it'll it sink in and they get it. And my dog now, I don't worry, he doesn't go for the goat's legs. He will still nip at them if they challenge him. Like if a goat turns around like, oh, I'm not gonna go where you say, I'm gonna fight with you instead. He'll, he'll let them know who's boss mm -hmm. just by going in and charging them and giving them like a scare with a good nip, but he doesn't break skin. Um, right now they're so fluffy that he doesn't, they probably don't even really, <laughs> but yeah. Well, one of the things that I'm a little concerned about, this may be nonsense, so just tell me if this is nonsense, but I, I'm a little concerned that if I get a herding dog that I may not have enough work for them to do, um, that there just aren't, I think about how how many tasks I have to do, and I think, well, the dog could come in handy for that, but that's only maybe once a week or once every couple of weeks, or it'd be okay for that. That would really help, but I worry about giving it a job every day. Do you find that you have to sometimes make up some work for your dog just to keep them engaged and their minds busy, or do you once I have a good herding dog, will I just think of all of a sudden all sorts of things will be <laughs> revealed that I need the dog to do? Well, um, it's so when we worked for the big operation, we were off during the winter. So I would go back to the city with my dog and hang out for four months, you know, until it was time to go work again. And I did take him to parks and have him herd geese <laughs> um, because I felt like he was bored. He handled it really well. I think different border collies are going to handle that differently. I think if you're at a place like on a farm, there there are jobs for them to do and they will find jobs. Like my dog, we got a Colorado mountain dog puppy, a livestock guardian dog. Mm -hmm. And my dog uh, trained the puppy how to play. Unfortunately, I think he kind of trained him how to herd a little bit too. So he cut the puppy, the giant dog now sometimes will try and herd the goats and then just like fall on the ground all ridiculous. But um, Pluto and Bones, Russ's dog, like the two dogs of our operation, they have a lot of downtime. And Sometimes they're just sitting out in the field, like waiting to do something, you know, and I think that's okay. I think as long as they're not stuck in a crate in an apartment somewhere. Um, and if you've got chickens or anything like that, they're going to help you put your chickens in at night. You know, there's daily chores. That dog will be there doing its own kind of reconnaissance and business as you're doing your daily chores. It'll probably keep an eye on 
making sure the goats are still in their pen. I mean, our dogs do that periodically. We'll be working on a building or some other structure on the farm and the dogs will just go out and they'll circle the goats, you know, in their pen and then come back like, oh yeah, it's still fine. They're all in there. Um, so I don't know. I don't have a really super professional opinion. I know border collies definitely need to be kept busy, but I also know these dogs also are good at just chilling out um, and not working all the time. Like they don't have to necessarily be working 24 seven. I'm okay. sure they would love to be working 24 seven. Right. Right. But, but the work that we would like them to do, the, the stuff we define as work is play to them. So other kinds of play have the same impact for them, you know, right. circling, circling the, the pen once or twice to make sure the goats are still in or chasing yeah. some ducks or herding some ducks around. Just anything that kind of gives them a sense of purpose. You know, those dogs yeah. want to know that they are doing the job, doing the job good, you know? Um, so do they, do they find it? I'm going to ask you to get inside your Border Collies or your McNabb's brain here a little bit. Do they find it satisfactory to train? Is training work to them or do they feel like this is just kind of a, a lame substitute for actually getting out there and doing the work? You know, I th so that's funny because my old business partner who's deceased now, she was a dog trainer and she would line up her border collies on little leads in the shade outside the sheep pen and bring one in at a time. And they would each get two turns and we would go through like four dogs usually. And I know the dogs, they didn't really appreciate not being in the pen. Like they didn't necessarily like having to sit out and watch another dog do all the fun stuff. Um, but they, the training part, once they were in there doing the work, whether they were training and learning or out in the field, they still seemed to have the same enthusiasm mm -hmm. and the same, just like, this is great. I love this. Um, even with Russ's dog, Bones, he did agility training first. And so he was super excited to go to agility training and do the different things that, you know, was required of him then. So I, I, I think, I think they do like it. I think it just enhances some of the stuff they're already, that's already kind of in there, you know, like that they're already knowing that they're, they have this job to do and they just need you to show them what the, you know, tools or the words are for how to do that kind of thing. Right. Right. Huh. All right. So we've mentioned it several times already in the podcast. I'm sure some of the listeners are wondering what is a McNabb dog? What's this McNabb? Talk to me more about that. Okay. So I didn't know what a McNabb was until I got this dog. His name's Pluto, but I got him when he was four. Um, my boss just brought him back randomly from California. Um, and or was it? Yeah, it was. So she's like, they, you know, I went to this job or this giant goat operation and there was like 20 dogs running around and they gave me two dogs. I'm going to give you, she sold me 
this dog for $600. It came out of my paycheck. But um, when I met my former business partner, Debbie, who was the dog trainer, we had uh, worked with her to maybe train us and the herders and their dogs better on our jobs, you know, how we're working together. Well, she saw my dog and said, that's a McNabb. I thought he was just a mutt. So I said, what's a McNabb? A McNabb is a breed that came about, I want to say, around 1950, but it could have been as early as the 30s in California, where there was lots and lots of sheep uh, and different livestock. The heat was a factor. And so they wanted a dog that had the stamina of the Australian cattle dog, but the smarts and kind of gentleness of the border collie. So they designed a breed called the McNabb, and I think that's actually a guy's name, um, which is just the border collie mixed with an Australian cattle dog. So you've kind of got, you've, you've, like with your genetic, you know, mixing of those two, you've got the soft mouth of the border collie instead of the hard mouth of the cattle dog, short fur of the cattle dog and the hardiness of the cattle dog. But the more temperament of the border collie is kind of how that breed worked out. So mm-hmm. they're well, really I, cool. And I, I, I find that fascinating. I think one of the cool things about the development of some of these farm dog breeds, these working dog breeds, is that it is really utilitarian. You know, there's not a lot that goes into, well, I'd really like that color of dog, or I'd like that dog to have that mark, those markings. It's, it's, if it doesn't have a functional component to it, it's not something that uh, traditionally farmers and ranchers bred for. And so, yeah. I and I think what's what's really interesting too is they weren't really too concerned about keeping, you know, so-called pure bloodlines. They wanted a dog that performed and helped them earn a living. And right. I, I think stories like that of the McNabb are are just really really cool. Yeah. Well, and I feel like part of the reason my dog, to me, is he's just such a so good. He's not super high strung. I I've some several of the border collies I've worked with have been kind of high strung. They just they don't have an off switch. Whereas my dog, he 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 has an off switch. Thank goodness he can you know chill <laughs> out, lie down and chill out, and he's not just waiting for the next command. You know because sure. some of those border collies, like Debbie had one, who she act she told her to lie down and stay while they were doing some work, we brought the sheep back to the barn. And an hour later, we realized that the dog was still stayed in the field where she had been told to lie down and stay. And she just stayed there the whole time. Such a good dog. And, and you want a good stay, you know, you want a good sit stay, but that was almost a little too good of a sit stay, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. Like an hour later, my dog, I have to say, he he would sit stay for as long as it seemed necessary and there were goats and things. And then once all the humans disappeared, he would he would come find out what was going on. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, what uh, I know you're working with a pretty small sample size here. You know, it's not like you've had 30 McNabs and 30 Border Collies, but 
what would you say is there anything distinct about the working style of the McNabb versus the Border Collie or do they work in much the same uh, much the same style I would say it's pretty much the same style I think and with my dog it it took me a while to he, he didn't know English when I got him he had been raised by the Peruvian migrant workers um, so we didn't know any of his commands other than they told me that suit meant get in the truck <laughs> <laughs> so that's his and i don't even know what i'm saying i just make this suit sound and he gets in the truck <laughs> so you know if you said it right based on whether he gets in the truck or not yeah, yeah and so okay. now like i feel like i've got it down you know it's been a few years but um I, I would say the the only difference is there are the border collies in general just have an extreme need to work like so hard and so they're compared to my dog like you just have to be on them with every single command and make sure that you're really consistent um and everything my dog will he's fine if i just i don't use the full command or maybe i just say i point and i say but go slow he'll just kind of creep around the goats versus bolting around the goats every single time regardless of what i you know um so there's a little bit he has a little bit more of that i don't know he can hold himself back a little bit yeah okay I, I and i it's a small sample size so i don't know i can't say i'm speaking for all mcnabs but finding a dog that is eager but just a little bit less eager mm -hmm. than the standard border collie i think has made my life so much easier because i'm kind of a laid-back person myself okay <laughs> sure do you have a preference for males versus females in herding dogs i prefer males um the females, the only reason I don't prefer the females and well, Banjo, the one that didn't want to work for me, she was a female, <laughs> but her mom, Kit, who only had three legs, would often come and work for me, even though she was woefully like handicapped when it came to actually working the, she did pretty good though. But the thing about those girls was they are so very territorial and uh they can be very aggressive towards other dogs that they don't know and when we when i was working for the commercial company that was really stressful because we were often in very public places where people were walking their dogs and these dogs would constantly be charging the public <laughs> the girls the boy dogs just kind of were like oh whatever it's fine you know and my dog super friendly he doesn't bark um, the girls seemed because they were more territorial they barked a lot of a lot of other people and so that that's why i would go with a male i wouldn't say they didn't work any better or not like i think in some ways they probably worked a little better other than having, they could be more focused when it was time to work the herd. You know, um, neutered males are more focused as well than unneutered males. 
but yeah, yeah. I would I would not go with a female just because I don't like how they can just be so aggressive towards other I dogs. I see. Yeah. I feel a little bit like you were holding out on us at the beginning of the interview with your dog memory because we've since talked about uh, a dog that just returned to the barn and didn't listen to you and a dog that has three legs. So I think that there's, I think you probably have lots of good farm dog stories if we talked for a couple hours. Oh, I mean, just tons. Okay, so I have a really good one, <laughs> really quick. This was two days ago, and this is my. Colorado mountain dog my two-year-old female who is notorious for running off like she cannot be outside the fence because she just leaves she'll come back but there's a highway right there so I, I don't want her to be dead so anyway I the goats were in one pen I was a little bit over the hill and slightly out of sight of them building their next pen and they were noisy because they saw me and they're like, all right, let us out, let us out, you know. So they were noisy and I wasn't paying much attention. And everyone seemed fine. Well, I'm building this fence and I come scrabbling up over the hill as I'm going up this cliff to try and put fence up. And I see Forrest, my Colorado mountain dog that should be inside the goat pen. She's running towards me. And I'm like, what the heck is happening? Are all the goats out? Well, she's crying, and so I, I grab her because she's running right at me, and she rolls on her belly, and she's like, Mom, Mom, making this kind of sad whiny noise, and I'm like, what's going on? Come on, let's get you back. So I start taking her back, and as we round the corner, I see there's a goat completely down, stuck in the fence, and Forrest jumped the fence over the poor goat to come get me instead of running off. She came and got me and told me to come save her goat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That is a good story. And so I think that at this point, having heard that story, people are dying to know what is a Colorado mountain dog. I got to know more about this breed. Oh, see, me with all these weird breeds, right? <laughs> uh, um, I... Colorado Mountain Dogs, I don't know where I heard about them. I think I had a friend or someone say, like, oh, you should get a CMD. And I was like, what is that? It's a Colorado Mountain Dog. And I was like, okay. Well, it turns out they were started in Colorado. And I don't know all the details exactly. But they're basically a mix of three different guardian dog breeds, which is the Great Pyrenees, um, the Anatolian Shepherd, and the I want to say Marimont or Marimont. I will have to find out exactly how to say that. But it's three specific breeds of livestock guardian dogs combined into one Colorado mountain dog. So they're big. They're white. They look kind of like Great Pyrenees. I would say they're a little bigger. My female forest, who's two, she's spayed. She's about 95 pounds. So she's average size but solomon my puppy he's 110 pounds um and he's like he'll be a year oh this month so he's a, he's a, a year but he's gonna be about 135 i think like he's my height he's huge he just is huge and he's but they're very smart um they're very independent Livestock guardian dogs are nocturnal, so they're not good house pets ever, unless you live in the middle of nowhere. Um, 
what else about them? I've learned so much. Like they really, he's interested in playing with Pluto. So he's interested in doing what Pluto's doing. So that dog kind of, he'll get up the energy as large as he is to like run around and do stuff uh, and kind of herd the goats. But as he's grown, he's developed this relationship with the goats where he can just go up and like nuzzle them and they are fine with it. Um, but then if he's kind of riled up, he'll go and like paw them and then get them riled up. And then everyone starts running around. And then that's when he starts to kind of herd them. And it's, <laughs> it. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but I've kind of told him, no, don't do that, you know, because sometimes I just, they're in an, inside an electric fence running around and I just don't know what could happen, you know. I uh, I am in my going into the second year of my livestock guardian dog experiment and sometime in the future I'll talk more on the podcast about my livestock guardian dogs but I also have a puppy who's about a year old and um, I've had dogs lots of dogs before but I've never had um, a puppy brain in such a big body it's an experience yes. It is kind of scary, isn't it? It's insanely cute and how floppy they are and they're so big and they just flop everywhere. But he, you know, and my, what I've been told is they'll be puppies for about three years, like two at the very least, you know, is they're still being puppies. And it's, that's a lot of dog to have in just that mind state for for that long of a time yeah right what um what do you know about the working style of the colorado mountain dog um you know generally the great pyrenees is viewed as a like a perimeter dog or a patrolling dog rather than a dog that sticks right with the animals of course this this all depends on the individual but just generalizing for the breed do you find uh, that the Colorado mountain dog is more stick right with the herd or patrol the territory? They are kind of a little, so I think very much like the peers in that they, they patrol. Um, and also a lot like most livestock guardian dogs, they do better in pairs. I think that they would actually do best in threes per, per chance, because what I've seen is one of them will kind of just lay with the goats while the other patrols. And oftentimes when one of them, usually Forrest, because she's the alpha, if she alerts and goes after something towards what she's alerting at, you know, even if it's in a two-roll set, like less than an acre fence, you know, she'll run towards it. And Solomon will kind of stand with the goats until he understands what she's alerting at. And then he might go see, or he might just stay there. And I've seen them both kind of do that. So I do know that like Pyrenees, I've read that the way they do is usually if there's three of them, two will do perimeter and one will usually stay, but not always, you know. Um, Forest is a little interesting because before I got her, she was, a guardian of chickens and she will alert to any predator bird that flies over the goats nothing smaller than a raven she knows ravens and crows aren't a threat but anything bigger than that 
she barks at it and she'll she'll lunge in the direction of the bird <laughs> to like let them know it's not okay. <laughs> Huh. But I think their working style is probably very similar to the peers. From what I can tell, I mean, obviously, I'm not observing them during their prime working time at night, you know, um, and because they don't have full run of the property, there is some limitations to what probably sure. they normally would do but i definitely know just based on what happens when they're off leash and outside the pen they are out there to do reconnaissance and they they have no recall the second they are got their noses on the ground doing reconnaissance because they're trying to figure out who's been through here when you know um and they can tell time frames based on sense you know most dogs can but like they their scent uh, structure in their nose is very similar to like hound dogs, whereas border collies don't have that much scent uh, going on in their nose. These dogs are just all about it. That's why they're great guardian dogs, because they can track stuff. They know what's coming and going and all of that. So, yeah. Huh. But, well, that's that's fascinating i'm excited to uh perhaps talk more about the colorado mountain dog as a breed maybe somewhere in a future episode we'll just do a, a profile on that breed that would be uh, really i know the president to the colorado mountain dog association and she would be happy to talk to you oh, as well that would be so. amazing that would be amazing. yeah <laughs> i think that after your description some of our listeners would love to hear more so uh just uh, switching back briefly here as we kind of start to head out the door um i I'd like to talk a little bit more about herding dogs and specifically I will, I am in the very slow process of researching, doing everything I need to do before I get a herding dog puppy. And um, I could ask you all sorts of questions about breeding and breeders and breeds and gender and type and you know, all that sort of stuff. But what I'd really like uh, based on some of our past conversations, what I'd really like is to say to you, convince me a bit of a do-it-yourselfer that I need to pay a professional trainer. Oh, man. Okay. Well, my first, okay. Man, you just do because <laughs> you don't know how much training you need. All right. So one of the things that blew my mind after working with several of these dogs with goat green and then finally getting my own dog Pluto and then taking him to this trainer lady, Debbie, um, she was yelling at me so much <laughs> because here's what we don't know that we're doing to our dogs is we're putting undue stress on our working dogs without even knowing it based on our position and their position and the position of their livestock. So what I was always doing to my dog, and I didn't know this, and this is why I think we work better now. Before it was really difficult. I would ask him to do something and then he wouldn't do it quite right. And then I'd start yelling at him to do it more, you know? And um, so now, what I know is when I ask him to do something, I have to back off, allow him to follow my command. And I know for me and him, 
the trainer was able to help me identify what positions are best for me and my dog based on the herd. So is he a good pusher? Can he Is he better at pushing the goats with me back behind him or with me leading the goats? Or is he better if I'm behind the goats and he's circling on either side? Um, and it's so hard to explain without a visual, but I will just say like going to a trainer will open up so much that you just don't know like I, I you're stressing your dog out and you don't even know it and you won't know it till you go to a trainer and you work your dog with the trainer and they tell you how you're stressing your dog out or not um and I'm not talking like I'm talking when you're ready to get working not when you're trying to keep your puppy border collie entertained and taking them to the agility classes and stuff when you're ready to have a dog that is a good tool you have to have you've never made this tool before you need a class you know it's like with anything new you want this to be you you're gonna have to give yourself a little education so that it works out the best for both you and your dog um, and I think you could watch YouTube videos all day long and like about hurting and stuff and maybe do it yourself but you'll always have a level of frustration that you just won't have if you get a professional involved. And it doesn't have to be forever, just a little bit. Yeah. You know, you hit on something that I had not thought about, which is that um, a, a trainer will be better able to recognize the unique characteristics and strengths and weaknesses of your dog and then help you build the training regimen around those things. Mm -hmm. um, in especially with herding dogs where you know, at least from what the little I know is that some are more naturally driving dogs some are more naturally gathering dogs and I certainly think that that would affect how you go about training if you can have somebody who knows what they're doing point those things out to you exactly and... like I was always trying to get Pluto to go around the herd and do things um, that were just not natural to his comfortable like the way he was really good at hurting I don't want to say comfortable but he's good at it in a certain way with doing it a certain way and so once I realized that I was pushing him to do stuff that wasn't making sense and we switched it around slightly he'll still do everything I need him to do but our positions are different and I keep our positions in mind and so instead of sending him to walk the herd forward from the sides or like the front or whatever he's always in the back doing things and I move but never to the front I can never lead if I want Pluto to push the goats right and probably if I go through more training with a professional which since my trainer died, we're still, we actually found a dog, a good training farm. We just have to go now, but we're going to, because we both still need to keep our dogs sharp and that training, like it does help us a lot, you know? Well, that's excellent advice. And I really value that advice because, um, you're not a professional trainer, you know, no. you, you, have, you have nothing to gain from uh, telling me that. And uh, so I appreciate the 
almost, I appreciate the admonishment really, because my well, temptation is to want to like, there's something about doing it myself that is, makes it a greater achievement if I can pull it off. Man, I was really proud of myself for, for being a goat herder with not any official training for like the first six months. And then once I got with the dog trainer, I was like, whoa, mind blown. I had no idea I could be this much cooler with this dog and we could get along and it would be so great. And yeah, she really helped me find the balance to where we work together. We're, you know, that's your strongest coworker right there is your, your dog. And man, it's, it's a huge, it'll, it'll make your life just so much easier to yeah and i'm not a trainer but man i have benefited from that for sure <laughs> i think that's a great place to stop uh harmony thank you so much for your time tonight it's been a blast and uh you give us a lot of great information so thank you have a great evening we'll thanks Aaron. thanks for having me <laughs> you bet bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.